right, all right, all right. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. Today we are in the crease talking goalies here. Uh, situation with the Kings in and out of the pipes. We're doing over and under some fantasy stuff for where your Kings sit uh, in the national media. And we're talking about a new signing, not for the Kings, but what does it mean for maybe future Kings prospects? Get in the chat, like and subscribe. Yeah, let's go. All right, boys, we got the full got the full team in here. You know, it's been a while. Uh, how are you guys doing, Joe? Good. Good. Very good. Today is a big, big day today in the Paterino household. The oldest son went off to kindergarten. So that was a big day today. Right. Got him right. Everything went well. He had a great day. We'll see how tomorrow goes. But uh, so far, so good. So big day today was a good one. You got a young man on your hands, huh? <laughs> it's exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And we got one more coming in a couple of years, but it's one for one so far on day one. So how are you guys doing? They yeah, were doing good, doing good. Uh, had my fantasy football draft a couple of days ago, ready for the football season. Got a lot of high hopes for my Chargers this year, which will almost inevitably lead to disappointment like always. But <laughs> always looking forward to football starting because right after that's hockey. So looking forward do, to that. Do you have Kelsey as I do? Unfortunately, Joe, yeah, I do. I took him with the, the sixth pick. <laughs> so, of course, I'm in the group chat with all my buddies, and uh, we've done the league for a few years. And as soon as that news pops up, everyone's, like, tagging me, like, oh, look at, look at Kelsey. And, but hopefully hopefully he plays. Like, it's weird because I took him with, the, like, the notion, like, as a Charger fan, like, if he do, does well, it's like win-win. Like, if he does well, like, okay, my fantasy team's doing well. But if he doesn't do well, maybe the Chiefs won't do so, do so yeah. well either. I don't know, but it's already started to bite me in the bite me in the leg so far. <laughs> well, they say no ACL damage, and it's like a bunch of like bone and ligament bruises. So I think it's just going to be pain management for him. Um, but the thing with bone bruise and stuff like that, it could lead to further injury down the line. And the Chiefs aren't trying to win Week One; they're trying to win the Super right. Bowl again. So my guess, even though he's a tough sob, is that he would sit. But I don't think you're looking at like a like a Cooper Cup situation. I think Cooper Cup's about to go on the IR for for four weeks or so. So uh, he was already ruled out. And when you're day to day, quote unquote, and you get ruled out four days before the game, that's usually not a good sign. So yeah. um, it could be something different there. I uh, I'm ecstatic. Joe and I were talking about it earlier. Nick Bosa finally signed, uh, richest uh, player there in football, fifty million guaranteed, and then the Niners restructure some contracts. So Jed York shelling out uh, $78 million of his own money uh, today to players. That's a lot of uh, a lot of quiche, as they say. But I hope everybody, uh, even though you're not making $78 million, is doing well in the chat. Ethan Adams is saying, what's up from Ohio? What up, Ethan? Welcome into the chat, my man. Welcome, Carter Ethan. Scores. Hello, everybody. Dire fan, what up, dudes? And now, hey, guys. Hey, boys. We are about to talk some hockey, but before we get into Kings hockey, a new deal in, in the hockey realm just came in. Uh, and the Sanderson deal. So Jake Sanderson, left shot D, uh, plays for the Ottawa Senators. Eight-year uh, contract, uh, making quite a bit of money. I think it was 8 by 805 I just sent it in the chat. Was that right? Yeah. yeah. 8 by 805 So obviously not a, not a Norris Trophy winner. Uh, not a, not a, you know, a guy that you would name in the top 10 defensemen. 
but getting a big contract. And the Sens have now have four plus players, as you mentioned in our group chat, Joe, you know, around that seven, five to eight, five range that are going to be their core for the future. You know, they're obviously they're going to try to compete this year, but this really sets themselves up for the cap to rise and have that group all, all, all grow together. Yeah. And not to mention, at least at the moment, um, two first round picks um, in in this season in the upcoming draft. So they're, they're set up really nice. I'm a really big fan of what Ottawa is doing. I know it, I feel like Buffalo for good reason and Detroit for, for pretty good reason to get, it seems a little bit more of the buzz, but I'm in on Ottawa. I, you know, maybe this is a year where they're kind of contending and they're just going to miss or whatever, but this is a team that's definitely on the rise. I really like, um, listen, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big contract. It's a big bet. I want the GM that's willing to bet on the young talent. I want the GM that's willing to bet and pay for future performance rather than past performance. Um, I'm I'm generally going to be a buyer about that. I think you're going to see a lot of the same stuff about what has he done, what has he done. It was the same thing you heard with Tage Thompson. It was the same thing you heard with Jack Hughes. It's the same thing you heard with Tim Stutzel. All the same conversation. All those guys are going to be massively underpaid. Maybe Sanderson won't be. Who knows? Maybe one of these deals just doesn't work. But like, I, I feel like the downside here is Sanderson is a capable second pair, six million dollar defenseman. So it ends up being a little bit of an overpay. But that's like, I I think that's like the worst case scenario. Or best case scenario, he's a top pair D man that should be making double digits in a few years. So. You know, I, I I love um what they're doing with the young core. You mentioned the core, Stutzla locked up, Kachuk locked up, Josh Norris locked up, now Shabbat locked up, Sanderson locked up. None of those guys are making eight and a half. I think that's really good business uh by the Ottawa Senators. I think they're in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I like the fact we've kind of talked about this a little bit when they did the Stutzla deal, right? When mm-hmm. it seems like more GMs are kind of going to this banking on the future potential of what these young players have have shown a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like – I think Ottawa's kind of – I don't want to say they're like a locked team for the playoffs, but I, you kind of look at that division. That division seems kind of eh, – I don't, I don't know if it's as strong as maybe others think so. I think Boston's might have a little bit of regression. I think they'll still be a playoff team, but – there's some other teams that are like what the Red Wings, yeah. eh. Sabres, yeah. Maple Leafs, Canadians. I think there's still a chance for them to be a playoff team. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with that division, but they they have a really good team. Uh, they, they did. Uh, I think you would agree, Joe. They probably met, uh, overpaid Corpusalo a little bit. I but, would agree with that. But you got a good goaltender in Corpus Allo for the time being, right? You're able to make it's, some things happen. It's, it's the term. So much of those deals, it's the term that I just I don't like giving almost any term for goalies. But I guess yeah. if you're in a situation when you look at they don't have any really big contracts, double-digit contracts. We just talked about their cores locked up. You know, they've got some some money. You know, Tarasenko's on a one-year deal. So Kubalik's on a one-year deal. So it's not like they've got a, a lot of money here that's tied up that's like wasteful spending. I mean, Giroux's got two years at 6'5", but still a valuable veteran. Like, nothing that's going to hurt them. So I guess if there's a scenario where you can overpay a goalie a little bit, it's the Ottawa Senators. Now, again, is Corpus Allo the guy for that many years? 
it's not my cup of tea. But, you know, that's that's the route they decided to take, and we'll see if that goes. But, um, yeah, I, I love it, though. I mean, I, I, and I agree on the division. Like, I think Toronto is a lock for the division. Tampa is still probably good enough to be second, but you, any team, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, mm-hmm. Flo- I don't think Florida's a shoe in for third in the division just because they made it to the cup final last year. Um, I think that third spot is, is very much up for grabs. Randy, what do you think? Uh, I, I, I think, I think it just, uh, you're paying for future success and it's not always going to work out. Mm-hmm. But you look at the you look at the Braves in Atlanta, and I understand there's no salary cap for baseball, but they locked out pretty much their entire team for the next five seasons. Yeah, it's good right. Person. And so they went in. Hey, hey, this guy had one good year. We believe in him. We're gonna lock him up. Guy had a couple good years. Believe in him. Lock him up. We're gonna trade for this guy. Lock him up. And so then you have that core there. And obviously, there's no salary cap in baseball, but I think it's a similar thing into that idea. I'm going through it with the Niners right now, right? The Niners not made every single one of their core members the highest paid player at their position. And they're going, they're rolling with a rookie quarterback. So they're keeping a core together. They're trying to go all in. I think this is kind of an all in move with their core because obviously eight years is a long time. If it doesn't work out, they have to hit on three of the four of these big contracts to make it worthwhile. If you have multiple guys that don't perform up to that level, even with the salary cap going up here, it's going to be a drain. I mean, IE, you know, the Mark Vlasic contract for the sharks, right? Like he's almost unmovable at this point and he's never going to win a Norris trophy uh, again. So like, it's just kind of that thing, but I, I overall, I think it's good. And it's, I, we're going to talk about some similarities where I think the, the Kings will have already done, like say with the Kempe contract and as King of cups here, Sanderson's uh, is Sanderson's deal better than Fiala over the next seven years? No, it's not. Fiala's already proven that he's a he's a top player, um, and it's less expensive. And so, yeah, I mean, is it the best contract to ever be signed? No, but it could be. You know, like they're betting on future bets, and anybody who bets, which I've done, what thirty best ball drafts? It's all future stuff <laughs> for this year. So, yeah, uh, you're just betting on the future. And if you and if you win and you hit in those. You know, you could be walking away with three million, or in this case, a, a top two defenseman for for eight million dollars. He's if you look at you go ahead, Ross. Go well, it, it just makes a lot of sense, right? I mean, at this point, like you see these players, these young players, when they come into the league and they show any hints of star talent, like any hint of it, or just being a quality good player. I mean, look at what all these young players are doing lately, too, in terms of Matthew Kachuk, like just they get to this RFA position. They're like, Hey, I don't want to be here anymore. If you can lock up these young stars that have shown the potential or just showing at least to progressing to be that star talent, why not try to lock them up long-term? Because you don't know if they're ever going to stick around as long as they can. When it gets to the point where that RFA year comes, they could just all of a sudden throw a Matthew Kachuk at you or, or whatever, and then just try to leave. Um, Or we've seen it obviously with Pierre-Luc Dubois too. So yeah, I mean, I I, agree. I I love that GMs are now getting to the fact and knowing that, like, hey, we drafted this talent. We've, we've kind of seen him show some flashes already. There's no real reason to think that this type of player, especially a player like Jake Sanderson, who the type of play he gives on the ice isn't going to be it's, – it's not the flashiest style, but he's a productive top four defenseman who can play. He's almost like a Matt Roy, I kind of see, where he's – like a little bit of a hybrid, not necessarily offensive, not necessarily huge defensive style, but he's a good quality top four defenseman. Now all of a sudden you have locked up long term that you don't really have to you have to you don't have to worry about now for the near future or long term. So 
I love it. I think a lot of more GMs should be doing the same thing. Well, yeah, and you're looking, you're seeing that, and and you just in the East, you look at Buffalo with Thompson, Dylan Cousins. They got their top two centers locked up for under a combined uh, fourteen million. They're going to be locking up Darlene Samuelson's locked up. Uh, I would imagine Owen Power. This is a, probably a pretty comparable deal if you're Owen Power. You know, if you want to get your deal, maybe Owen Power get something like this. New Jersey. You well, know, Joe, you, Joe, you brought up Buffalo, and I think this is where I think the segue should go to the Kings. Okay, they, they locked up both centers for under 14 million. Yep. Right now, obviously, Kopitar is the number one, but he'll be playing for seven. Right now, PLD is playing for eight. But in the future. It's going to be PLD and hopefully the number two overall pick for the Kings, Quentin Byfield. If Quentin Byfield playing on the first line this year, scores 40, scores 50, scores 60 <clears throat> points, is this the type of deal that you would want the Kings to make for, for the number two overall pick? If, listen, and then Russ kind of alluded to it earlier, if you see a young player that's come into the league and he evolves into this player that finally is showing like he's going to be, this is what, you expected when you drafted him. I have no problem giving them this deal. I mean, we sort of talked about it a little bit with Gabe Velarde before the trade, like our maybe even toward the end of the season. Like, is he earning himself a long-term deal? A little different scenario because he dealt with some pretty significant. I mean, I think back injuries we can classify as significant. There were some pretty significant injuries that that kind of held him back a bit. He missed some time again this past year, so. I can understand the, the risk there. Then obviously they make the trade, but yeah, like I, this is the 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 strategy I'm in on. I'm in on what Ottawa's doing and what Buffalo's doing and what New Jersey's doing. You alluded to the Braves in baseball. Like I would rather pay for this for the future talent. And I think with with Byfield, yeah, like it, obviously we have to see what type of year he has. But I have no problem doing it because if he's the player you think he's going to be that player is going to be $10 million in four years rather than if you get him for eight or seven, five or whatever that, you know, whatever it is in the scenario. So, you know, that's just generally where I'm at. Playing on the first line, Russ, where would, where would Byfield season have to end up for you to shell out six and a half or seven plus million dollars per year? That's weird. I was thinking about that too. I mean, this is really the direct correlation to this, um, Sanderson deals because Chick Sanderson was the fifth overall pick in the 2020 draft. Byfield, obviously, the second overall. So each of them have one year left on their entry level contract. I think Sanderson's only like a month older than Byfield. It's not necessarily you, you, you think of Jake Sanderson and think like, oh, he's this flashy player. He's not necessarily been like Tim Stutzless since coming to the league. He hasn't just lit the world on fire. He's only played one year and he's yeah. good defenseman. So it's it's weird because I think about it with Byfield. I mean, right now I wouldn't give Byfield an eight by eight million dollar deal, but the Kings. So let me have... let me just throw Jake Sanderson's stats out there real quick. Sorry, Russ. Yeah, no seventy-seven games played, thirty-two total points. Uh, he's averaging twenty-one minutes a night, and his course he is fifty-one percent in his first full season as a pro. As a twenty-one-year-old defenseman. And but the, the thing is with Sanderson too is he was coming out of college and I believe he played a, a one of the North Dakota is one no, of, North Dakota saying? yeah North Dakota State yeah, yeah. and they're a pretty good team so he obviously one of the higher end players coming out of that draft and he's he's shown it he's shown the the capability it's almost like what we've seen at Brock Faber for the Minnesota Wild when he came in the league and I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see a deal like that come in the pipeline for uh, Faber as well but for Byfield 
like I wonder if the Kings are if they really feel that this player can be what they've talked about or we're just kind of waiting and he, he's shown flashes and they're so confident in this player. I wonder if maybe Rob Blake's thinking in the back of his mind, like, let me just sign Byfield to an eight by seven point five million dollar deal. Cause for me, I probably would do it. Like I've seen Byfield, I, I see the flashes there. I see it. I, obviously the production's not there. But if you can get a player like Byfield who can eventually grow into that second overall talent that we all expect him to be, and maybe I'm a little bit more bullish on him than some other people are. But if he can grow into that talent, you have a player like that signed at like $7.5 million for the next like eight years. Man, I mean, like I said, I don't know if that deal happens now just based off of what he's done in the NHL so far. Right. But if he starts lighting the world on fire, like in these first like 20 or so games, man, I, if I'm Rob Blake, I'm trying to get Byfield signed to a deal similar to that because you what, can't. What does that look longer. like for you? I'm sorry? What does that look like for you? How many points? Like, what, where do you feel like this season has to end up for him? If he could score like twenty points in like the first like half of the season, 25, 30 points in the first half of the season, I think you have to throw him that deal. And that's on the higher end. Like a lot of people are just hoping to get him like fifteen goals, thirty assists. That'd be like a forty-five point season. So if I, if he see if he like I said, if he sets the world on fire with the first half of the season, and starts to show a lot of that progression playing on the first line play with the full year of Kopitar and Kempe and actually start scoring some goals I mean I think you have to maybe try to invest a little bit and gamble because this is what the GMs are doing now they're gambling on these players growing into the superstar talent that they drafted in, and that's kind of where Byfield's at right now the, the it, it's, it's tough it's a tough argument the difference is 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 when we look at like what Ottawa did with like Stutzler has shown when they signed his deal, he showed a hell of a lot more than what Byfield has shown so far. Jake Sanderson has shown a hell of a lot more production-wise than what Byfield has shown so far. So, like, yes, it's a gamble, but they've at least got something under their belt to, to go off of to see. And right, right now, admittedly, it's very little for the Kings. So, like, they – there, there's no reason for the Kings to, to have to even go down this road because he hasn't shown anything. I mean, at some – listen, we all buy the fact that he was an impactful player when he was up on that first line. He did a lot under the hood. But at some point, you have to have the production to start to show. And I think – yeah, like I think if you, you start to get to that 40, 50, 60-point range this season, then then what happened last year and what everybody was talking about, like, guys, these points are coming. He's doing all the right things. It will come. And then when it does come, you know, then – then yeah, it's going to be worth it to do that. And I think you could even do that. It's not as if you needed to do this now. I think because he's done virtually yeah. nothing for for two in the first two years of his deal here, that you know one year and in the third year you could basically quote unquote buy high on his breakout year and pay him whatever, say eight by seven. And I think you could do that. And I think he, I don't know if he would do that. I don't know. Maybe not. You know, who knows? Maybe he wants to bet on himself and take a bridge deal. And that's maybe what he prefers, which is obviously his his right to do that. But I, it's not as if like, if, 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 if say Ottawa or say, yeah, say Ottawa waited another year and Stutzler did what he did last year. Now you're not getting that deal you signed him for. You know what I mean? So they, they already had a decent season to go off of. And they said, let's do it now before it gets even bigger and it worked at least so far. Right. So that's the thing with Byfield is I think the Kings have the ability to wait for him to actually do it before 
having to offer. Yeah, and we're, and we're not talking about him signing it based on what he made, right? So Urho's right. coming in here. 7.5 for Byfield for eight years is not going to happen. We have Carter coming in here. I think Byfield gets 50-plus points. You go eight by eight, 40 points or less. You go bridge deal. We got Canada Cups going 20 goals, 60 points for QB this year. Book it. So there's a lot. A lot of discrepancy just in three comments in this chat. I'm sure. I'm sure if we threw this on Twitter, it would it would be or on X, it would be the same thing. Uh, but it, it, this, we're all talking about hypothetical. We're all putting the crystal ball out there. Mm-hmm. I, in order to go invest for me personally, and to invest by eight by eight or something along what Sanderson just got, he'd have to put up sixty plus for me. Like otherwise, I would have to need, need it be cheaper or bridge. I'd be fine with a bridge deal and paying more in the future, but. Like 40 points, like in flashes, doesn't really get, do it for me to get an eight by eight or 50 points. And he like eked in there. 60 points is a lot of points, bro. That's a lot. I mean, look what, at Pio, but that's, Pio what, that, he, that's what he's Stutzler done it. did. That's what Stutzler did. I understand that. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. There are different players. Stutzler came into the league known as this electrifying scorer that wasn't really necessarily that two way type player. That's what Byfield, that's what I, we've been kind of just thrown constant information from the team is. Byfield's known to be this project. He's going to be this future top line center in the league. That's why we didn't take a player like Stutzla, obviously, because when 25, 26, 2028, like it, like the, his draft, his draft reasoning isn't there for me anymore. Like that whole, he's taken a while. Like if you're investing money, you have to show it like that just for me. And so I I know, I know 60 points is a lot, but 60 points, eight by eight. I mean, I would pay him what PLD got, right? Like that's just that's just that's just where I'm at. I just don't think it's yeah. right to pay somebody eight by eight for forty points when you're playing on the line with Kopitar and Kempe. He's probably in his well, power again, time. But again, like, but he, you're paying you're paying you're paying them that forty points, but that's a twenty one year old that's scoring that forty points too. Like for me, like I like I. I like I understand that. Like, but you keep bringing like, the agent. Stutzla was that age, and he scored sixty. So they, they, so, like, and, mm-hmm. yeah, that's and that's a great deal. And I think even still, so if it's forty points, and, and it, maybe it's not eight by eight, it's eight by seven. But like the idea being that forty points within a year or two is going to be sixty to seventy points, and so yeah. on. Like that's what they're banking on, and I think that's you know, that's the question. And I think the Kings, because of the way Byfield's first two seasons have gone, have the ability to wait and see this out. They, they, you know, Byfield hasn't done anything to, to, to warrant any sort of deal anywhere remotely close to this. If he does something in that 40, 50, 60 point range, I think then it becomes a conversation. Is it eight by eight? Probably not, of course, but I'm not saying it's not either. If, if he does like what Russ said, 60 points, that ain't nothing. That's that's a top two line player, and if he does that, it would be like, worth okay, it. It's here. So, I my question is, what about because he's a defenseman, Sanderson? What if Jordan Spence gets a long look in the NHL and runs power play two, and you know has a forty five point season? <laughs> I'm not saying eight by eight, but well, I mean, he's up. This is it. This is he's he's an RFA. So I guess this is like everybody. I, I feel like we're not talking, or maybe we are, but Jordan Spence isn't being talked about nearly enough. I mean, everybody's talking about Brand Clark, rightfully so, but Jordan Spence has been a dominant AHL defenseman these last two seasons. If he comes up and has a and lights it up, 
in 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 his first year, not his first year, but you know what I'm saying, like the last year, uh, last year of the deal that he's currently on, and his status. He's a year older than he's 22, but you know, is this a guy like if they view him as somebody that you know we've talked about Matt Roy, who I think we all assume will probably get some sort of extension, but if at some point something's going to have to give and they're going to buy into these young defensemen in Spence and Clark, is Spence somebody that gets a long-term deal? Again, maybe not to this extent, but is that in the cards? He's not a he's not a he's not a eighth overall pick. Like it's just not like so. But so, what does the draft? So, what does the draft status matter at this point? But I'm just saying, like you're looking at it's confirmed. Like like Sanderson was drafted high. Mm-hmm. He's confirmed that draft cost, and okay. then now you're paying him, right? Like it took a long time. I mean, if you don't for, don't forget, Mikey Anderson was probably underpaid by two or three million dollars on a one year deal in order to earn that eight-year deal. And that might have been a behind-the-back sure. type deal, but sure. draft cost means a lot. I mean, it's it, you're, you're especially top 10, right? So I think that if if Jordan Spence puts up 45 points, or what what Sanderson did last year, half almost a half point per game, <laughs> then you're probably, instead of an eight-by-eight, eight, you're probably looking at, hey, we can now get rid of Matt Roy and have Jordan Spence in there and have Dowdy Spence Clark on the right side. Right, we have a younger player putting up that many points. Yeah, he's not as defensively uh, acumen and everything like that. But I think at that point, you're not giving up on Brant Clark because you've invested the draft capital on him. You have Dowdy uh, signed until the moon, and so you have you have to make a, a cut there. And I and I know that you guys talked about the extension with Roy, but if you see that from Spence and he can run the power play, I, I don't see. I'm not seeing an eight by eight, but I wouldn't right, be mo- right. You know, maybe a four, you know, four by four or what, what about a Mikey? Deal? What about a Mikey Anderson type of deal for Jordan Spence? What eight by four? Or what he was eight by four, right? Four yeah, uh, something like yeah, I think like four one, four two, I want to say. Yeah. I mean, I I, I love this conversation because this is gonna four be one. something that's probably gonna be talked about as we get probably to the end of the season or even just or we're probably looking at throughout the entire season is what exactly because I agree with you, Joe, a hundred percent. Like we're a lot of people, probably including ourselves, are absolutely overlooking the fact of Jordan Spence finally getting an actual opportunity to showcase himself in the NHL because this is this is really his first opportunity. Yeah, I mean it's not necessarily his first year, but all these other chances were more because of injury or right. more placement, COVID, whatever. I mean, this is actually a time for Jordan Spence to showcase himself, especially more than likely getting power play time because I would mm-hmm. expect him to be the the quarterback in the second power play unit, whether. I've, he be in the lineup or Brant Clark, but it's just the dilemma that the Kings are in at this point that, I mean, if I'm Rob Blake, I'm trying to figure out if Matt Roy or Jordan Spence can play on the left side. Cause I, if you can figure out a oh, way Brant to Clark. keep Matt Roy, Matt Roy around and Jordan Spence, I know it's, it's a terrible conversation, but it's like, you're either lo- you're losing Matt Roy next year to keep Jordan Spence. Cause you're not going to keep Brant Clark on the, in the AHL that long. Probably he's probably gonna be on the NHL roster this year. So what do you do? It's those three players that are going to have to. You can't. You can't keep the train at the station, my friend. You can't keep the train in the station, my friend. You it's going to leave them all. <laughs> yeah. So one of them has to play on the left side, right? Yeah. And that's the dilemma that I'm sure Rob Blake and Tom McClellan are going to try to figure out is who can figure who can play or transition to that left side the easiest. And because I mean, uh, if you lose, if the Kings lose Matt Roy, I mean they're going to obviously they're going to become a, a a worse team. They're going to be worse off for it because. As much as I love Jordan Spence and Brant Clark, I don't know if they could actually fill 
the void that they'd lose from a player like Roy, they'd be obviously more productive offensively. But man, Ram Roy just does different. so much, yeah. so much defensively it would, um, it would, for the it Kings. Be, it would be it tough. Would, it'd be like a total revamp of the way the team plays. Like when you think of the yeah. way the Kings play defense, just look at their the Kings play as a system. Just look at their defensemen, defensive defensemen, defensive defensemen, defensive defensemen, defensive defensemen, right? It would be a total shift in how they play if they decided. Let's well, run and gun, baby. Let's do right. it. Right. Hey, I'm <laughs> sure, all about we did it. Like but, last year enough as it was. But it would, but it would be a bit of a shift um, if you were to say, we're going to plug in, yeah, to your point, Spencer Clark in place of Roy and let Roy Right. It would also be a, yeah, it'd be tough to see Matt Roy go. But it's, it, again, we're just having a conversation here and before camp starts. So I think it's an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, just to circle it real quick back to, to Byfield, um, my thing for Quentin is I think 40 points would be a successful season for me for Byfield. Give him 10 goals, 30 assists. I would hope for more, but it just mm-hmm. shows some shows some progression. As long as the team's doing well, too. Like, if he does, if he does the round that, and the team doesn't make playoffs, okay, we're maybe have a different conversation. But if the team's doing well and he's actually contributing a little bit, kind of like what we saw toward the end of last year, is like the team was doing well, but he was having a little bit of struggles. But he's still being a productive player on the ice. If we see that from Byfield, I'd love to see them get him locked locked up long term, going into the next offseason because this is the last year of his entry level contract. I don't want to get to a point where we're giving Byfield a bridge deal two, three years. And then all of a sudden he does put up a 60 plus point season. And then we have to pay for that season instead of gambling on the fact that we're seeing a little bit of progression from him instead of waiting for that progression to finally hit or that production to finally hit. Cause Agreed. I mean, if you look at it, like the, the ducks are going through this right now with Trevor Zegers. Trevor Zegers has been talked about at getting a bridge deal. If you give Zegers a bridge deal with everything he's done, if he starts doing lacrosse goals and whatever starts lighting the lamp a lot more, especially since that team's going to be a little bit, a little bit better. Man, that deal is all of a sudden going to jump from being like an eight million dollar a year deal to now being nine nine point five million dollars a year in three or four years. So this is that that's why we talk about this is a gamble. And if Byfield shows that progression of me putting up a forty plus season, forty point plus season, I think you have to get him locked up long term because I, I'm just scared of long uh, bridge deals that will all eventually lead to higher end contracts instead of gambling beforehand. I bet Buffalo's wishing they didn't do a bridge deal with Rasmus Dallin. Yeah, ten point five million dollars that rumored extension. Are you kidding me? How much? Well worth it, by the way. Oh, hundred percent worth it. But 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 if they would have done if they would have done this deal two three years ago before his bridge, like look look what the Avalanche did with Kale McCarr. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine if they'd given him a bridge deal? And and all and also too like. What is Caleb McCarr's contract going to be in four years? Twelve point five million dollars or so, thirteen. Maybe more. That's nine million dollars a year. That's a bargain for that. Yeah. Part. Well, I mean, we we thought we were going to have a short episode, guys, but uh, we spent thirty <laughs> minutes on hypothetical contracts. And well, Matt Roy started. came up, and we just have to talk about it. You know, we're just getting started. Al Smith in the chat, man. Al Smith, you are uh, a beaut. Dude, Al, you're a, he's the best. You're the best. Another 20. Have a beer on us, fellas. Uh, I will be having a beer after this podcast. Uh, appreciate that. Come on, guys. Buy these guys a beer. I'm sure they. I'm sure you would if you saw them at a game. I'd be buying you guys a beer if I saw you at a game. That's I'd buy you a beer. Let's go. I'd buy you all a beer. We're buying beers. Buy Browns for everybody. Fire about today, by the way. I love, I love the chat. The chat <laughs> That's good. Great. 
Uh, Al Smith coming in here saying, hey, Spence has been paired with Toby in the AHL. Would they try that in the NHL? I, just, I, I think this is, a, this is a discussion for later on. I think we're going to do yeah. a podcast, I believe, next week with uh, Camp and then guys like we did last year that have make-or-break years. I think Toby's going to be on that list for me. Tune in next week for that. But I do think that it, it was an effective pairing in the AHL. Well, we, we, we talked a little bit about this Um and now I don't remember who it was, if we were all three on it, if it was just Russ and I, if it was Rand and I on the bottom. No, I think pair, it was. We, we, we did a bottom pair discussion and we t- kind of talked about Toby. It's like he's going to be in the conversation for that bottom pair left side. But I just don't see where what he's shown right now to yeah. to win the job at all. Like he just hasn't shown anything very very little at the nhl level to where you know again maybe part of that's because early in his career he's playing higher up in the lineup with dowdy you know we saw this with with gavrikov getting too many minutes too many big minutes too many too many uh uh high leverage situations on the top pair in columbus and boy did that just totally change when he went to los angeles so maybe if bjornfoot's paying a third pair it's it's better but i, I i'm I mean, again, if he has a big camp, he has a big camp, but I'm I'm not in on Bjornfoot right now. I think, I I think get... we talked about it, the the defensive, maybe our last podcast that I was on with me and Joe. I think it was just you and I now that I think yeah. about it. Uh, but I, I, I agree with you, Joe. I think everybody or ourselves are in a wait-and-see mode with Bjornfoot at this point. Yeah. We just have yeah. to see it yeah. because what we've seen so far hasn't been great. Ace King comes in here. Hey, guys, thanks for the King's content. Thank you, Ace King. I think this is your first time being putting up in the chat. Appreciate you being a loyal fan. I have a uh, a feeling that Byfield will score around 55 points this season. I would love that. He should get it paid around what Kempe's making. You think of like a five, you think about that would be kind of a nice little deal. It gets pushed them to maybe he has a chance to earn number one money. Obviously, it's not that benefits the player. You get maybe a nice three or four years of, of value production, and then you have to pay the beast if he is the true number one. Yeah, I mean, I think we all were hoping for, for that Kempe deal to be a little bit longer. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. I, I would have I, loved to see it be like six, seven years because right now it's – I mean, it's looking like a great deal right now in terms of yeah. what he's being paid, but – Four like by five, right? Or long term. Was it four huh? by five by – four by five and a half? Four – I think it was four by four and a half. Five and a half. Five and a half. Okay. Yeah, yeah four by five and a half. You're right. <laughs> so – Let's get into this here. Uh, we have some uh, – actually, before we get into the next part of the podcast, let's throw in our uh, sponsor here at DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings code THPN. Um, get yourself there some free money this weekend. Hey, you guys, Can you guys believe that seven months without NFL game? Crazy, right? Well, good thing that's over. And it, NFL is here at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly. When you just bet five bucks on any NFL game, DraftKings is hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code THPN. Sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly. Just betting five bucks. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. So everybody in the chat, um, a lot of people were asking for a hockey royalty, uh, you know, fantasy football league. 
Uh, we thought we had too many fans to just pick 12 people. What I think I'm going to do, and uh, just stay tuned on this, I'm just prepping the idea, using DraftKings, our sponsor, to do a uh, daily fantasy uh, group for all the, the the hockey royalty fans uh, and to where you guys send me that you guys are interested. I send you guys a link to it. And that way, just five bucks a week, we can play DraftKings on Sundays, kind of just bet with fans and have a nice little fun uh, fun time. I'm still looking at that. I'm talking to DraftKings about that and uh, and my co-host here, but uh, that might be down the pipe. So just keep an eye out for that on uh, Rando Commando 24. I'll be posting that stuff on Twitter if we decide to roll that that down the hatch. So up next, over under here, uh, Russ. Where did this come from? Is this like a evolving hockey? Is what you said? Yeah. So this is uh, we'll go over evolving hockey's fantasy production. So they pretty much with their their model. Uh, they come up with uh, paint point totals for uh, the NHL players. And I screenshotted the the point totals uh, in our chat. And I figured let's have a little fun doing a little over-under on some of these. Uh, Can numbers. I – I want to make a quick disclaimer. Disclaimer, PSA, whatever, because we're going to start to see projections. We're going to start to see player projections. We're going to start to see um, standings projections uh, from all the models. And everybody's going to lose their damn minds. And just, what? Just a no reminder. Way. Just Come a on. reminder. A Joe. reminder. <laughs> a reminder. The number that you see. So when the Kings are projected fourth in the division with 94 points, that is what their model deems most likely to happen. That does not mean that the Kings cannot get 100 points and finish third, second or third in the division. It just means maybe that has like a 10% chance of happening where their model has them at a, you know, uh, 20% chance of getting slightly lower than that. Because I think everybody sees those numbers as like, that's insane. What do you mean? Of course they can do that. Yes, the model is factoring that in. They absolutely can. And of course they can. And some of these players will touch on, like you people might see, how does Kevin Fiala, who was a point of game player last year, only have 79 points. That's just the most likely scenario. Yes, there's probably, you know, I don't know what the percentage is. I'd have to, you'd have to ask Evolving Hockey, a 10%, 15% chance that, he gets 90 points or 85 points. It's just it's not the most likely. I just want to remind everybody of that before everybody loses their minds when they see all the projections on Twitter. Carter scores already come in here. Joe keeping his level. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Love it. So, uh, yeah, so evolving hockey, I mean, obviously some of the heavy hitters. Let's start with the, the acquisition here. PLD, the Dubois, the Dubois, sir, Pierre Luke, coming in here at 29 goals, 34 assists. 63 points. Now, obviously, he's had a couple seasons in the 60s. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys on the spot in this segment here. We're gonna go with over or under, and then why? What do you think? I go over on PLD, um, just based off the fact that he's coming to a better team. He's playing more than likely with Kevin Fiala, who's probably the, one of the better wingers he's ever played with. Um, I know he had Ehlers and Kyle Connor over there in Winnipeg who were no slouches either. But I mean, I mean, when you got a playmaker like Kevin Fiala on your wing, um, mixed with a potential shooter, whether it be Arthur Kaliev or Victor Arvidsson, one of those type of players on the other side. I mean, I, I'm not going to go crazy and say he's going to have like an 80 plus point season. I mean, it, 
in fact, like even if he had like a 63 point season, I think a lot of people would actually sign up for that, and even myself included. But I just am a little bit more bullish on the fact of who is going to be playing for and the opportunity he's going to be getting, uh, just based off of what this team did last year offensively and what they were able to do on the power play too. If they were if they were able to replicate a lot of the stuff on the power play, I could see a lot of these numbers being a little bit more inflated. So I would probably I'm going to go over on KLD. I, I think he can hover around the 70 point mark. Like I, I'm not going to go crazy. Like I said, say 80 plus, but around 70 is where I see PLD. Joseph, where are you I at? Would, I would uh, go probably under on the 70, but I, I would have the number in my head was like 65. So I guess I'll, I'll go over the 63. But um, for a lot of the reasons Russ said, but like I, I you know, I want to acknowledge like he he played with some good players last year in Winnipeg. It wasn't as if. Um, you know, he, he didn't have talent around him. He, did he have wasn't playing talent. in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but, but, I, but I think that, you know, I think the number is actually pretty fair. I think 63 is a very fair number. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, say, I'll say over, but, but again, we're talking like two points. The, the guy I really want to focus on here next is number 18 on the list. If people are watching on their big screen, if not zoom in, uh, but that's one Brent Clark. With uh, seven points, I'm smashing that over all day, every day, and twice on Sundays. I think uh, I know if if that's an odds on uh, Vobbing Hockey or a betting site on over and under with uh, with seven points, smash that because I think Clark's getting that all day long. But where do you find Clark's season? I mean, there's lots of outcomes with uh, – obviously, if he starts right away, he's smashing that. But he's parrying his time with Jordan Spence. Uh, or maybe he's not like right now you're making these bets or these gambles or these um, predictions before before the season start. Do you think it's a 50 50 split with Jordan Spence? Do you think it's 70 30? Do you think that's an easy smash at seven points? Like, where do you guys feel on that? I mean, to be honest, with you, this is such a hard question to answer right now. And it's like I feel like we wouldn't be able to answer it until even training camp starts, because if if. The Kings, just based off of what they've done in the past, if they continue their same kind of trajectory with a lot of their young talent, then Brant Clark is more than likely going to start the year in the AHL, which I, I've made the argument where I think that's a good thing for him. You give him top pair minutes, you give him the top power play unit in Ontario, and then maybe you bring him up like 20 games into the season or so, may or injury, whatever. You have that opportunity for him waiting. But, yeah, so I think a lot of this for Brant Clark is based off of whether or not he starts in the NHL. I mean, if he does start, then, yeah, hammer the over. I mean, I think I saw I, – I don't know if it was The Athletic or maybe you know, Joe. Somebody put out the projections, like the rankings for Calder. Oh, you, uh, sorry. I was just doing what Carter Score said is then muting you for your <laughs> nonsense. Your oh. nonsense. <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm muted for a second. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, I mean, it's just like – I think the Athletic put out um, what the rankings on the the Calder Trophy, right? I think that was them. And Brent Clark was like sixth, I believe. Seven. I, I don't know if it was. I, I could I, be I, wrong I, there, but I, he was definitely up there. And I was like, oh wow, surprising. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe a lot of people on the outside kind of don't realize <laughs> the the patience that Kings management kind of has with their prospects and where Brent Clark fits in the in the mold. But, I mean, if they go with what Joe and I want them to do in terms of playing Spence and Brant Clark, then, yeah, I mean, hammer the over. That's going to be a fun line to watch or pairing to watch for sure. It's funny you mention that, Russ. When I was on the um, 
the show with the rest of the Pacific Division guys on uh, the Hockey Podcast Network show, um, I said exactly that because they brought up the uh, Calder. I think it was from at least the list that was pulled up on that show was from DraftKings. I think it was. And Clark was, to your point, seventh or eighth. And I made the comment that there's a there's a chance Clark doesn't even make the roster, which caught a lot of them by surprise. And when I talked about the Kings a bit, I said, no one seems to acknowledge that Jordan Spence is could be a factor here. So I agree. I mean, yes, obviously, I think if he makes the team and plays, it's an easy over. Um, but would any of us be surprised if he played 60 games in in Ontario this year and was kind of a spot guy in, in the NHL and ends up with five points? No, that wouldn't surprise me either. So it really is dependent on what his situation is with the team. We haven't had our weekly Brant Clark drop, so you are welcome for all your Brant Clark fans. Uh, let's let's kick it over to uh, let's kick it over to another player here. I think this is an interesting one, and and I'm looking at it right now. You know, Philippe Deneau, right here, 53 points. He's been around that area on the second line. Does he still get that on the third line? How productive will that line be if they move VA up to play with PLD and and Fiala? Obviously, that's what we're expecting based on uh, what we talked about in earlier pods. So if you guys missed that middle six conversation, go back, listen to it. That was a great pod talking about the middle six there. Uh, but what do you guys think about the Philippe to know there? Uh, you know, obviously moving down a peg into the third role, he's probably going to get tossed with a lot of different line mates this year. Obviously, injuries play a factor in that. Where do you find his point total being? Do you think he's going to be moved more on defense? I know that's a lot of questions thrown at you. Joe's thinking about it, so I'm going to go with Russ first. Well, it's funny because this, the number, the projection that he has is like it's one point lower than what he had last year. And if – I mean, if Phil Deneau is putting up a 53-point season with 20 goals and 33 assists like this list says, man, I mean, that's – I'd sign it for that 100%. Give me that – if that's your third-line center scoring 20 goals – and putting up 30 assists, <laughs> give me that all day. But I, I think this is a little bit more high, higher than I would expect, um, just based off where he's going to be in the lineup and probably getting a little bit less power play time as well because we've seen to know on the power play. But who knows? Maybe they keep him there and, and have the, the nice line on that second power play unit. But I would expect that number to be a little lower, so I'll go under there. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think he's probably uh, a high 40s. I think it, you're, you're just going to see probably – a tick less of ice time or the ice time that he does get could be uh, against those tougher centers. And and maybe, you know, McClellan's able to play matchups a little bit more. So in theory, his, his third line role could be a better matchup. They could absolutely dominate a lot of third lines. So maybe there's a case for that, but I'll go, I'll go a little bit under. I think, uh, I think if he gets 50 points, that'd be great. Uh, as you mentioned, as a third line center. So I'll go under the 53. Now, I, I think this is interesting why I, I, why I picked to know here is, is um, we'll, we talked about a little bit in the middle six conversation, and we'll kind of reiterate this here. Are we going to see an evening out of the minutes being played, right? Are they going to con- constantly roll lines to be similar time until maybe the third period where they need to shorten the bench to where Deneau is still getting similar minutes to he was last year? As Joe mentioned, they are playing other teams' third lines or having that matchup advantage to where we don't see the production drop off too much. Well, this is this is what I think is going to happen, especially in closer games, probably later on in like the third period or so. If you have Quentin Byfield playing on the first line with Kopitar and Kempe, obviously that's where we all expect them to start. I think if you get to a point in a game 
where it's really close or getting down to the nitty gritty, I think you slide PLD to that side of that position with uh, where Byfield's playing. So you have Dubois, Kopitar, and Kempe on a line. And then all of a sudden you have that really formidable top line. Um, and then you can kind of roll out to know right after that. So you have that still one-two punch because you still you, you still want to shorten your bench a little bit when you get down to the, I guess, the grittier part of the game. But yeah, I mean, so I don't know. That's kind of where I see it going. Where, where McClellan's eyes are going toward toward the in important parts of the game. Joe, where do you where do you, what name do you want to go to next? Where do you see an interesting one on this one? Um, I was just looking at the list too. Sorry, give me one second. So yeah, I, I'm gonna say the 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 I was surprised to see Yanje Kopitar actually projected for 70 points. I thought that number would come in a little bit lower. Um, I'm optimistic at 70. I think. I actually don't know if he gets much more than 70. I was a little surprised at that. Um, I think it's easy to go. I would actually want to kind of shift the focus, though, to the defenseman um, because I've talked often about how I just I just don't like how there's not a lot of offense from the defenseman. And um, my number was Dowdy. I don't think he gets 48 points this year. I'm taking the under on that Ooh. one. I think that's a lot. Um and when you look at the rest, like Matt Roy at 20 is the next defenseman, right? I mean, that's – Is it, I know these, these are Gavrikov is – is Gavrikov at 30? He's at 20. Okay. Anderson's at 19. And, again, I think that's all reasonable, right? Right, Gavrikov, Roy, Anderson, around 20 points. Yeah, I, that's I, – I wouldn't expect much more than that. I just think – Maybe, maybe the case for Dowdy to get that is is some of those heavier minutes can be shared with Gavrikov Roy, and and I I can buy into that. But um, you know, I, I know Dowdy's had a bit of resurgence here, and I'm not saying he's going to fall off the map and score 30 points, but I think he's probably closer to 40, 45 than 48, 50. I kind of would agree with that. I mean, if a lot of this is based off of what the the power play is able to do again, though. I mean, okay. the power play was top five last year, and Dowdy was playing on the top unit and got a lot of his points there. So, I mean, if, if the power play is still doing the same thing, then I wouldn't be surprised if, if Dowdy is able to get 50-plus points. So, why not? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the over on, on, on Dowdy, uh, over 48 points. I mean, Run. Quentin Byfield at 19 points on this. Now, I don't oh. know how evolving hockey is factoring in his playing time, but and they let it, we could be wrong. We're assuming he's going to start on that top line. Who knows? We'll see where he starts. But I would smash that overall. Day. I mean, it's got to go. It's just yeah. got to go. If, if he scores 19 points, then there might be pitchforks and torches outside. It's just got to go over. <laughs> I think the interesting one is Arthur Kaliev at 33, 15 goals, 18 assists, and he was almost a non-factor to end, end the season there. I think that's another interesting one there. You know, as well, far he's as probably the team. one of the players that's going to be get the most opportunity off of the trades that have happened, right? I mean, I would expect him to get whether probably not top line power play, but second power play unit minutes. And then, I mean, a lot of people he won't get top line because Kempe's playing in his Kempe's Yeah, his I mean, and a lot of people have penciled him in at that second line, either with uh, PLD or on the third line with Deneau. So he's definitely going to get the opportunity. It's just whether, if it, it, I mean, with Kaliev, it's just a consistency thing, right? I mean, last year, he was doing he was on fire at the beginning of the year. He was scoring on the power play. I mean, I was calling for him to get more power play time. 
And then I think he, he broke his foot and then just all of a sudden couldn't be the same player that he was when he came back. So if he can just have a consistent year throughout the year, stay healthy and and just have a little bit of motivation, show a little bit of a determination to his, his skating style and, and on the ice in general, uh, in terms of a two-way game too, I think he'll definitely get over over the 15 goal total. I, w- I would expect Kaliev to get at least 20 goals in the year. Um, whether he gets the 18 assists would would be whatever. But, I mean, I think over 33 points is definitely not out of the realm of possibility for Kaliev. I think it's a, it's not out of the realm, but I am just – I'm going under because I don't know that he's somebody that's going to be a lock-in for that second line. I mean, he may start there. I don't know if his play is going to warrant him being there consistent enough. I think McClellan has shown that he's not afraid to pull the trigger on Kaliev if there's – if the game just at, at all three zones isn't isn't there, we saw it in playoffs. I mean, we saw the one shift in Edmonton. I said, well, that's his series is done, and we never yeah. saw him the rest of the series. I mean, it was so. Uh, given that, I just uh, I, I think the talent's there, the shots there. There's a lot of a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but not sure yet uh, that he's going to be. He's got to earn that. He's got to he's got to play well enough to stay in that spot to. to win that second line spot and then stay in that second line spot. He and Bjornfoot are the two players that need to have a strong camp. They need to have strong camps. They want to earn the spots that are right there for the taking. They're there. So can I ask this question now? Cause you, it's interesting. You said that I wasn't really thinking about this, um, but <laughs> we've talked about somewhat of a log jam sometimes and, is there a possibility that Kaliev doesn't make the roster out of camp? Like, what if what if Kaliev has a doesn't no. have a great camp and Fagimo comes in and has a great looking camp or something like that? Is that a possibility? No. Am I? Is that a, just a? No, again, I don't think Kaliev doesn't have waivers, waivers. Correct. I'm not saying he's played over 100 games. Kaliev, I think, does not have to clear. He's exempt. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, per cap friendly, he's waivers waiver exempt, which is kind of the reason I asked the question, because it's like, again, I'm not saying I would do this, but is that we saw that trick that that hook was, you saw it in the playoffs, and it's like I, if McClellan can't trust the kid, and it's been a couple of years now, are is it is it in the cards? Is it possible? I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I think things would have to go terribly wrong from training camp, or at I would least, agree. I would. Agree. I mean, to the point where they're just not seeing anything out of Cal. Because the thing with Arthur is that he, he's a, he's a goal scorer, yeah. And they're trying to teach him that full two hundred foot game, and it just really hasn't come to fruition um, in his early part in, or his initial career so far. So, yeah, it's just you can't teach the shot that he has. That's the thing. Is he's got such a good shot. And that, and to have that kind of weapon on the second power play unit is, is massive. So, I don't know. I think it'd be a loss if they didn't have Kaliev on the roster to start the year. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I, one other thing, too, on Byfield, for those that are looking for maybe something that's a little bit more um, optimistic – is for those that hate uh, the athletic and Dom Lachizan because of his prior projections, he has Byfield projection uh, for 47 points, which is Ooh. interesting. Ooh. Somebody's a little spicy. Um, let's move it over to the next topic here in the crease. We are going to be talking about the goalie situation, our last position preview. 
Uh, we're going to be uh, rising from the ashes here and talking about Phoenix Copley here first. Uh, guy resurrected our season. Uh, there's going to be more uh, fire puns coming, so be prepared for that. But uh, I, I think he is the really one that 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 really turned the season around for us. We got actually competent, okay goaltending that was allowing our offense to actually win games for us instead of just keeping us into it. Uh, he's presumed to be the starter, I would guess, right now. Um, I know they went out and paid a whopping $1 million for Cam Talbot, so there is money invested there. But ultimately, I think that Copley's going to get the first shot. Uh, Russ, you, you talked about it, you know, copious amounts of times on on X that you uh, have placed uh, almost a, a full mortgage on Copley making the Vesna uh, this right. year. So, We're gonna be very rich if he wins the Vesna. <laughs> so where where do you see his season going? And, and talk about him a little bit last year and and where he needs to maybe improve or not improve. Maybe he just needs to stay stationary in his production. I mean, for Phoenix Copley, he just needs to do what he did last year, and it's really based off of the team that's in front of him at this point. And that's pretty much what I feel like Rob Blake and Co are kind of banking on is that now you have a really solid team all throughout the forward lineup, all throughout defense in front of these goaltenders to the point where you just need them to make saves, just make a save. You don't need to be standing on your head doing these Jonathan quick splits or whatnot. Just make the save that you need to make. And, and if you can't make those highlight reel saves, that's, that's more or less the defense's fault. But I mean, we saw it. We saw it. Obviously, we've talked about it on end that how last year we the Kings just couldn't get a save for the first part of the season, and then when Phoenix Copley came in, a player that wasn't really known to be an NHL goaltender at that part of his career, all of a sudden became one and won 26 games or so, and and was one of the best goaltenders in terms of winning percentage in the NHL. So just come in and make a save. That's all. And I think that's why I like I. I a little um, comical in terms of the Vesna uh, prediction. But, yeah, I mean, if he plays the amount of games that he's playing, he's probably going to be winning a lot of games just to base off the team being better in front of him. So I don't think it would be a huge surprise if that happened. But, I mean, Copley doesn't need to change anything that he's done before. Just be Phoenix Copley, and I think he'd be fine. Yeah, I mean, he was – you know, you were singing his praises, and, and rightfully so, ran in at the start. It's like the guy was – he's pretty much a league average goalie, maybe slightly better in some scenarios. But for the most part, he was just making the simple – the saves that you want your goalie to make. He wasn't costing the team games like like Quick and Peterson were. Um, and that's – I think that's the theme of the Kings' crease um, this season um, with with – Copley and with Talbot. I don't know if Copley has like the leg up on the starters role, maybe um, just because he was here. But I, I think, I, I don't think that either starter is playing like 45 games. Like these guys are going to be splitting it pretty or 50 games, whatever. I, I, I think they're going to see a, a pretty good split here. Um, Cause I don't think either of them can handle the workload of, of what would be a one or even a one a, which is fine. Like I've been, I've been hashtag goalies guy all along. I'm not going to now say and be kind of hypocritical and say, Oh, they should have go paid for a goalie. No, I'm Hey, let's go. Uh, I'm in on it. I think Russ brought up the point of like, which again, as a, the way my philosophy is and how I want to play is not, is like the total opposite of how the Kings play because 
yes, they're banking on a team that is defensively sound, very structured, very – they don't give up high-danger chances. They don't give up a lot of shots against. Like, this is how the Kings play. They've been one of the better teams in the league in those statistics for the last two to three seasons. And there's all reason to believe that that should continue. You look at the strength down the middle, uh, obviously the Gavrikov-Roy pairing. So, like, that's what they're banking on with with Copley. And, I'm, you know, we'll touch on it with Talbot too. But I think that's something to be somewhat optimistic about. I think if you're a Kings fan, when you look at the goaltending and maybe scratch your head, it's like this team generally doesn't give up a lot. And – that's how bad the goaltending was the first half of last year. The team wasn't giving up that much, and they were still letting up goals. So as long as they're not actively hurting the team, they should be fine. They may not steal many games, if any, but the the Kings, you know, the goal is for them to not be in a situation where they're going to have to do that. Kings last year with Copley, uh, 37 games played. He uh, started 35 and was 24 and 6. Crazy. So if, if it had a 903 save percentage and 264 goals against average. So if, if Copley you're, starts 35, Talbot starts 35, and maybe Rich plays a couple mm-hmm. of games as injury, that's kind of what you're expecting, Joe? Or do you think that Copley can play 45 games? I mean, it, it, like, yeah, I guess he can. The guy from, from all accounts is like in fantastic shape. It's just so you know physically. I'm sure he could do it. It's just you know he he hasn't done it at the NHL level before. So you know what type of production are you going to expect from him, and is he going to be able to to do it and over the course of a season, consistency wise? So that's the concern. Um, so I I like your kind of rough thought there of like. 35 35 10 type of thing because i wouldn't be surprised if you see if you see riddich get get a handful of games in, in this season um just because that's just the way it goes sometimes how often is it a season you see teams play two goalies and that's it it's, it's it's not often these days with injuries whatever the case may be so um in yeah like those numbers like if he did that those aren't those are not nobody's running to he might win Vez if he, if he has that winning percentage, Russ. Uh, but I'm saying a 903 save Malibu ball. Beach House for Russ Morgan, <laughs> Mojo Dojo Casa House. There we go. The 903 save percentage is, is not great, but it's not the 903 save percentage of like I don't know five, six, seven years ago where that may have been really something that you don't want at all. Like it was bad. Like this, I think the league average save percentage last year was like 907, 908, 909, something like that. Uh, so it's not as if it was, if it was crazy. So uh, I think he's capable, um, you know, but who knows? He, the, the guy has been kind of a journeyman for his whole career. So there's kind of a reason for that. Um, but maybe this structure in Los Angeles suits him just fine. Yeah, so I, I think it's something that's that's interesting there. And I'm looking at it here, there, Joe, and I'm not counting games in, just total goalies. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'd be in the top 50 total goalies, but like I said, I'm not counting games, so I'd have to see what starters are there. That's just a quick glance. Carter Scores coming in here saying that Cam Talbot's going to surprise everybody and win the starting job by December. That is our next goalie here on the docket. So Cam Talbot, uh, just for anybody, 6'4", 201. Uh, coming out of uh, Ontario there. 
And he's had a illustrious career, starting out with the Rangers at 26, then on to Edmond, where he uh, won, uh, was fourth in the Vesna voting back in 2016. And then it's kind of jumped around from Philadelphia to Calgary to Minnesota and then Ottawa last year, uh, where he kind of had a down year. But you're looking at the two years in Minnesota, 9-15, 9-11 save percentage, uh, 263-278 goals against average. Uh, so had a, some competent years there in Minnesota the two previous seasons, was down in Ottawa. This seems kind of like, uh, you know, a, you know, a reproclamation story type thing where, hey, the Kings are more defensively sound. Uh, he'll have less high danger chances. He just needs to be a competent veteran. Where do you think that this signing was made? Was it obviously made because of cash being strapped? But why Cam Talbot over the other goalies in this in this cash area? I think it's two reasons. It's his playoff experience and his, his relationship with McClellan, I think, were the main reasons. Is um, Yeah, and the only with the $1 million cap hit for that type of player, I think Rob liked it extremely well um, in that situation. Like I agree with Carter. I mean, I, I mean, I don't actually think it would surprise anyone if he won the starting job by December. Um, but to start the year, I don't. I think we can all pretty much figure out that it's going to be Phoenix Copley or Cam Talbot starting opening night, and then the other one starting the next game. And mm-hmm. he'll probably end up doing that switch back and forth throughout the entire season. I mean, I wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Just we saw it happen last year, and even with Corpusala and Copley and both of them were playing really well and the teams were winning games and they just still kept doing it. He didn't stick with one goalie. So if we're kind of going off precedent here and what McClellan's done in the past, then, then Cam Talbot is pretty much going to be the one B goaltender for the Kings. And with that pedigree that he's bringing in and that relationship with Todd McClellan, I think the Kings could have done a lot worse. So I'm really excited with Cam Talbot and we'll see if he ends up being the starting goaltender um, for the Kings come playoff time, or, or maybe they bring in outside help. Excited isn't the word I would use, but I am, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not worried either though, because I think the only thing that that gives me some pause with Talbot is his, his age. He's had some injury issues recently, but this is a guy, I I think we, like we talked about with, with, with copy, I would say, Brandon, you asked the question about, um, you know, why they decided to go with Talbot over some of the other goalies. And I think, for as Russ alluded to is a couple of really good reasons and his are probably right. I would also say that I think that the Kings, and I don't know if they targeted Cam Talbot because of perhaps that relationship or they knew like, listen, we're not prioritizing this position. We're not paying a goalie. We're not paying Corpus We're not paying one of these other free agents. We're going to do what we got to do. We're going to go get our Pierre-Luc Dubois. We're going to sign the players that we want to sign, and we're going to deal with the goaltending later, which they are obviously listeners of the Hockey Royalty podcast because that's the way we like to operate. And I think they looked at Cam Talbot as a guy that, again, historically, get him in a good system. We talked about his numbers in Minnesota. You get him in a good system. You get him in a structure. You get him in a in a in an environment that's not going to allow allow a lot of high danger chances, and they're going to roll the dice that that's going to be a league average goaltender, especially when you kind of pair him with Cam Talbot. So, listen, I'm not excited. I'm not worried. I'm just here for the ride to see the Copley Talbot duo. But there, there's some concerns here with his age and with his health a little bit. I think, um, and and his play hasn't been great recently. 
Okay, look at the last couple of seasons. His his goal saved above expected has been bad. Let's just call it what it is. But again, new environment, new team, new system, new structure. Um, there there could be there could be reason for optimism. But I think an added motivation too, because he's. Yeah. I mean, we we heard at the press conference or his his Zoom after the signing is that he's coming in knowing that this team is looking to win. Yeah, and based off the relationship that he had with McClellan, I'm sure he, he knows like, okay, McClellan probably put in a good word for me, and he's giving me an opportunity to win and and compete for a Stanley Cup. Because um, the last few, I mean, yeah, you could look at the Ottawa Senators last year; they were projected to be better. They weren't. They weren't as good as everyone thought they were. Minnesota Wild—they've always kind of floundered around being a playoff team, but never really done it too much in the postseason. And so he's never really had the opportunity to play for a legit team. And I think that the Kings probably given the best chance. I know he played on the Oilers team back in the day, and they were pretty good too. But at this point of his career, for the Kings to give him that opportunity, um, I think has to get like put in the back of mind, back of his mind, saying like this could be my last shot to prove that I'm still an NHL goalie and that I can win important games in the league too. So I'm sure that helps. I think I think a healthy Cam Talbot paired with Phoenix Copley can be bang average. And I don't think, I think that's fine. I think that's what the Kings, I think that's all they're asking for. I don't think either of them are stealing any games, but as long as they're not costing them games, and I don't think either of them should do that, I think they're okay. And I think that comes in where Carter scores is saying Joe is cautiously optimistic. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. It's because like we we've talked about this the last few years. I mean, Joe and I, we Randy, we've all had this conversation about goaltenders. It's always been Joe saying like, just don't pay your goaltenders. Don't pay your goaltenders. And it's, I, I could see it in Joe's, Joe's eyes and the way he's talking. It's like, he's like, he, he loves the fact that the Kings are showing this. He just doesn't love the fact that he has to root for the team. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he almost kind of wishes that another team was was going this route, but hey, if it works, then hey, we're looking pretty smart. You're looking pretty smart over there. Uh, so there's if it doesn't then we'll see what happens. Right. So there's a lot of interesting stuff to this contract here, and Erho brought one to my attention. I just I never knew this. Uh, his contract goes up to two million if he plays over ten games. That's in a player bonus, so his cap hit will still be one mil. It's a player bonus if he plays over ten. I'm sure he'll get that. But I just noticed that there's also a no trade clause. To his contract, which yeah. doesn't really make sense to me, but as a veteran, maybe you want not to move your family for no reason. Yeah. I'm sure if he needed to, uh, I mean, I'm sure the Kings are going to be in the playoff hunt, so it's not like they're trading him away for no reason, unless they are getting the huge goalie uh, at the deadline. Just some interesting caveats there. Thank you, Urho, for bringing that to our attention. Appreciate that. Um, in there, so our last goalie is uh, David Riddich. Uh, signed in there for uh, around that uh, that very cheap mark as the the whole goalie room is, and you know guy with some pro experience coming in here and probably going to have that injury thing. And then last year, you know, went on a twenty minute diatribe on why having a veteran goalie was bad and Copley was blocking this and blocking that, uh, but it ended up working out for the Kings. And I think a lot of Kings fans are like, well, he saved our season and we need to have a third goalie there and. Hey, Portillo can't play 82 or 72 or whatever the amount of the AHL season is. He's going to need a, a person down there. So David Rich is there. Um, what do you guys think about him? And, and maybe, you know, can he spell 10 games? Can he spell 15 games if the injury bug hits for the Kings? I mean, he can. I, 
I, so Joe is cautiously optimistic. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, I remember him. I see Carter scores big save, Dave. I love that nickname. I remember that from back in his Calgary days. Like I, I, I thought he was capable back then. I, I don't know how true that actually is or was, but I thought he was like a serviceable backup who played decent in stretches. Um, not, I'm just not expecting anything here. Like, to be honest, like, I think he's a guy that, as you said, is kind of in a pinch if they need something um, that, that he can come in and, and spot 10 games or something like that. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't think that this is any, I don't know that he's any better than, I don't think he's better than Copley and Talbot. Also, I'll put it to you that way. Like, I think he's a definitive third, um, but who knows, like maybe something happens and, in camp or he, he plays really well or something like that. And we'll see what happens. But um, big save Dave. He's got a great nickname. I mean, it's funny. Like I was reminded the other day that he, he went to the all-star game in 2020, which caught me by surprise a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely an, a good insurance policy to have. He's, he's pretty much this year's 2022, 2023 Phoenix Copley, right? Sure. If something, things go terribly wrong. Or if there's injuries, yeah. you have that insurance policy to call up someone who's played NHL games, who's only signed to one year at $875,000. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully it doesn't get to that point. Um, where Because I would think it'd be injury or just poor play in front of him. But, yeah, I think it's another pretty decent signing by Rob Blake to have that in his back pocket to you know, with the rain. And also probably help out uh, Eric Portillo too. Portillo, yeah. you're in you're in L.A. The double L sounds, you know, you gotta get you gotta get that down. Well, I, I I think it's just interesting here. I, it's you know maybe just throwing darts at the board. Maybe we're just playing darts here as the Kings, and they're just hey, we need, we can get competent goaltending for most of the season by one of these guys at any point in time. And that's all we need. And then I don't know how that works for the playoffs because playoffs, typically you want to ride somebody, but you know, you got to get through the the 82 first, right? Well, yeah. And you know, listen, I mean, I just, if you're going to alternate in the season, I don't, why you, I, I just don't understand not alternating in playoffs. I really, really don't get that at all i just don't understand it and listen this months away at this point is a totally different conversation but if the kings are in a situation where they're alternating and then they just flip a coin and decide to pick one i just i don't get it and they're not the only team that does that by the way but yeah hindsight's 2020 but i would have loved to maybe seen copley get a start or two in this series just based off of that was what you were doing the previous 20 games before you got to that series against Edmonton as you were alternating. Then all of a I don't even know if it's hindsight. Didn't didn't I don't even know if it's hindsight though. We we, I think you even suggested that Copley may start game one. Maybe yeah, I think I was pointing. I wanted Copley to start game one. Yeah. So but, I, I mean, Corpusall was playing so well those first couple of games. That was a thing. He, so he yeah, like he he was, and again, that's that's where you run into a little bit of a tough situation. I I understand that, but it's like if. If you, they weren't willing to go to Copley at all. Like, I, I would have liked maybe you lose game two, you come back 1-1, one, one, start Copley game three at home. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I guess this is an argument for another day, but... Yeah, at this point, it doesn't matter, but I just... It doesn't matter, but yeah, 
I, I guess maybe it'll bring up this point is do you do you guys like the Kings probably eventually go after a goaltender at the trade deadline, right? That's what everyone's kind of thinking. Do you think that happens? Like, I think that's you're the only person I've ever heard bring that up. So, oh, maybe it's just me. Maybe yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, listen, it wouldn't shock me if they try to acquire a goalie, but I don't. I, 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 I'm not sold on it just because I think it's a really. I think it's difficult because. A, you got to find goaltending that's available. You got to find goaltending that is going to be you're going to be able to get at a decent price, um, which I think both of those are going to be difficult. And then you've got to let that goalie time to adapt in the new system. So if you're doing it close to the deadline, we saw it with Corpusalo that leaves you 20 games. And if you split them like Corpusalo did, so there's that. And then when you get the playoffs, you're going to hand the reins to the guy who played 10 games for you. And I, I don't know, like I, I get the logic. I just think that I, I don't know. His, when, when has a goalie been traded mid year and it's made an impact? Like, I don't know. Maybe there's an answer to that. And, I'm just not thinking of it, but when you look, you know, I think of the Blues when they acquired Ryan Miller, they thought that was going to work. That flopped. Like I just think it's a, it, it's the uh, so far from a guarantee that I think the goaltender move is an off-season move. Now maybe there's a goalie with term. You know who knows what happens if Nashville tanks again? I'll not tank tank in the sense that they're doing it on purpose. I mean just they have a bad season, um, which I don't know. I think they're going to be competitive enough. I don't know what Saros is going to be on the block. That's going to take a boatload to get him anyways. You know, we're, we're going to have the Patrick Demko conversations maybe at some point if Vancouver struggles, but I don't know. Like if, if you, if you go down the list and try to think of what goalies could even potentially be available, that would be, you know, significant upgrades. They did it last year, so obviously it's something that that they're not afraid to do. But I, I'm not sold on the idea, and I'm also not sold on it being something that necessarily works. Gotcha. I don't. I, mean, know. I will. I will agree with a lot of people around, not in LA, that if the Kings don't make the playoffs, it's probably more than likely because of their goaltending. I don't see any reason why this team misses. Wow. If they're forward core, I mean, just based off the players that they have and at the forward group, at the defensively, I mean, they're stacked up and down the lineup, and it's just goaltending is the number one issue. And I think I would agree with a lot of people's sentiments there. It is, but I would, I, I don't know, like I, I, this is a, I think this division's good. Like, are the Kings better than Edmonton or Vegas? I don't know. Like, if you're already starting the Kings as potentially in third place in the division. It ain't crazy to think Seattle – and I'm not saying you are, Russ. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if you're thinking about this, like, th there's, you know, there's a scenario where it's a battle. They're in a dogfight, you know, and they just – maybe they miss out by a game. Maybe the goaltending is is not is not good. And to maybe to your point, maybe the goaltending is league average, where if they had above-average goaltending, they would have gotten in. So I, that that's fair. But I, I also want to say if the goaltending is average – which is probably what they're banking on, that that's good enough to make playoffs. And I think it could be. It's just I also think it's a very, very competitive division. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, you got really yeah. four of the best teams in the Western Conference in this division in terms of I think I think Kraken are definitely gonna yeah, Kraken are be good again. I don't think that I don't see them dropping off and then you have the Kings, Golden Knights, and yep. Oilers. Yep. Four of the best teams in the West, right there. And and it's not as if I, I think the only like bottom feeder is San Jose. Like I think Anaheim's gonna be competitive. I think Calgary's oh, gonna be competitive. come on. They will be <laughs> competitive in the sense that like they're 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 not gonna be like last year. They're, okay. I saw I saw uh uh odds, I think it was on one of the one of the betting websites that I have to go up the offshore betting websites I have to use because I'm out here in California. But I think they had odds on like which team would finish the worst in the NHL. And it was like the Sharks and like the Ducks were one of the teams too. So I disagree. That, hey, there disagree. you go. If you want to take a little shot at Anaheim. But I, I think for me personally, I think like San Jose, Vancouver, no one knows what Vancouver's doing. I think Anaheim's going to be worse than what you guys do. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think, think Anaheim could have a 20-point increase in there, which still only gets them to, like, the 80s, by the way, because they were that bad last year, <laughs> or may, maybe even the 80. But, like, I I, I, I think the coaching change is going to make such a big difference there. Um, um, I saw a comment, and I don't know, from it was from Tim Stewart, uh, about Mark Andre Fleury a midseason trade, I think if he's referring to the one in Minnesota, I don't think he played well. And didn't he not even? I'm trying to think of they didn't he, they didn't play him in playoffs. I think the season. Um, I forget now who the other goaltender was. Was it Talbot? Uh, might have even been Cam Talbot. Mm -hmm. the, they ended the series because they went because Fleury didn't play very well, and they went. I think it was it might even been Talbot that they went to. It was Talbot. two years ago, right? I think so. I think it was yeah, two yeah. years ago. So I I don't know how much of an impact that was, to be honest with you. I, I, I really don't. Um, and which I thought that, again, going – unless – again, maybe I miss – there's a different trade maybe, but I didn't like the trade to Flurry because I didn't think Flurry was that good. And it didn't – I don't think it really helped uh, Minnesota. Well, we could discuss that back in February, whether we need a goalie or not. A goalie or not. Next week, we're going to be talking about camp, um, you know, and, and getting everything going for the rookie faceoff, the the games in Australia. Appreciate you guys in the chat. You guys are still going strong in, in the offseason here. Uh, you guys can find us at NH, uh, NHL Russell, JW Paterino, Kopitar 4HF, Randall Commander 24, and Hockey Royalty at Hockey underscore Royalty. Find all the articles coming out at HockeyRoyalty.com. The season is just right around the corner so keep an eye out for that articles are gonna be coming fast and furious you also got the rain starting up camp starting up which prospects will make it where, where will they impress and then we get the rookie face off as well so thank you guys always for coming in the chat get in there like and subscribe and have a good night guys go kings go go kings